fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. We are back, baby, after the Christmas celebration. And uh, do I remember how to do this? It's been a few days. It's actually been... Let's see, Friday and Monday. We were going to be back here yesterday. We had some other things going on and sporting events on most of the radio stations that broadcast us. So we figured, why the heck not just let it roll one more day? So, hey, we're back at it today and tomorrow and then a few more days off of the New Year celebration. So you got me live. Welcome in. It's great to be back. Merry Christmas to you. Hopefully you had a wonderful, fantastic holiday. And let's get you set for New Year's 2023. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a great couple guests here for the next few days, which I am really excited about. As we kind of recap this year, we go into the new year. We're going to talk about some New Year's resolutions. We're going to talk about politics in general for 2023 in the state that we're in because it's kind of a messed up state. Can we be honest? It's kind of a wackadoodle state that we're in. We did pass the $1.7 trillion bill, spending bill. I do. I refuse to call it a budget because it's not a budget, among other things that are in it. So we'll try and sneak some of that in here, but that's kind of old news. Now, did you notice we passed it last week before Christmas and now nobody's talking about it? No other talk show, no other mainstream media. It's done. It's over. Well, I know it's only $1.7 trillion, but it's done and over. So let's go ahead and move on. Yeah, no, we can't do that. We're going to continue to break down what's in that ridiculously absurd bill. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, though, Kevin Hallinan. We've had him on the show Many times before, he is author of the book Over the Wall. We're going to break down some of the Twitter releases of content and how the FBI has been involved in it and how we've uh, corrupted our systems, essentially, how the FBI has been working with uh, Twitter, how we had the censorship, the shadow banning. We have the content that uh, was suppressed during the elections and how they manipulated the voters going into the days of the election. So we'll get into all that here at the bottom of the hour with Kevin. Until then, though, holy cow, hopefully you had a great Christmas. It's been a while since we have been able to chat. So uh, if you enjoyed your Christmas, then awesome. If not, then what the hell, man? Coming up now, we have another holiday just uh, a few days from now. It was a wonderful few days off. I got to enjoy a lot. A uh, little voice of reason got just about everything that she wanted. Santa was very good to her this year. We got some time to rest. We got some time to spend with friends, and it was just wonderful and great. So it was uh, it was a wonderful weekend, and hopefully you got to do the same as well. Not so much, however, for those that are still trying to travel. Good golly. Now, okay, I get it. It was cold. It was wintry. We had the, uh, what was it, the snowstorm of a generation. I get it. At the same time, come on, man. Southwest Airlines, I know it's been the big debacle. Everybody's uh, all worked up in the news. People still trying to travel. There are flights that have been delayed over a week almost and just wanting to get home for the New Year's holidays or trying to actually get back to their lives or get back to work. But Southwest blames not only the cold weather, but then said their system was so old that they couldn't handle the number of flights that were canceled or delayed, and their system just pretty much crashed, and they're trying to get everything squared away and fixed up. And they said that when they got all of the money, which if you remember, what was this, a few years ago, when we spent billions of dollars into investing into the airline companies because they were, you know, remember, too big to fail. Remember that. 
and the government had to bail them out, then uh, apparently Southwest Airlines did not invest that money into the system to actually keep them functional. <laughs> no, they did not. Instead, they put it in the pockets of the CEOs and said, well, we're going to like tweak some of the aircraft, but uh, we're not going to make them more luxurious. We're not going to make them more efficient. We're going to tighten the seats. We're going to make them more uncomfortable. We're going to try and cut corners and make things cheaper. We're not going to make sure that the system is actually running smoothly, and then we're just going to take the money and run with it because that's just what we do. They didn't think to think of actually upgrading the system. So we're in the boat that we are in it right now, and maybe it's a wake-up call for those in the private industry to say, hey, it's time to get your, you know, what, in gear, or you're going to be going out of business pretty soon because no one's going to be flying with you soon. But it, honestly, is that really true? Honestly, is that really true? There's what, Delta, there's Southwest Airlines, there's American Airlines, and I think that's about it. I know there's a few other ones, obviously. There's Sky. Which is kind of the cheaper one. What's the one with the animals on the back? I don't remember that one. That one's based out of Denver, I think. And those are really, from what I've heard, not the best quality either. Uh, So there's only a limited amount. And, of course, Southwest is going to run a special for a while. Everybody's going to be going to it because it's really cheap. And then you just go on about your business. The consumer has been so blinded and so used to just going with the flow that we don't care about the large industry any longer on the credibility or the integrity, the integrity of what they do. We just really... Uh, if it's there and available, we just go along with it, which is why people trying to boycott certain businesses. Oh, we're going to go after Chick-fil-A because we don't like their what they stand for. That's cool. But then other people go to it and they continue to grow bigger and bigger. It's very difficult to start a movement in today's times. It's very difficult to actually stand against in quote-unquote evil corporation or some type of government agency or anything that's already in place now because we are so complacent. And maybe that's one of our New Year's resolutions is not be so complacent as society to where if something's wrong, maybe we should fix it. If something if someone does something bad, maybe we should correct them, boot their ass out of office, or we should at least uh, hold them accountable for what they're doing, which kind of leads into our topic of today. What's trending today? Now, we've had this individual on the program many times before. If you remember, we've had him on the phone many times during the campaign. He actually flew in from New York into the Wichita area where we're based out of here with this radio show. And we've had him in studio for almost an hour interview. And he was a wonderful individual, enjoyed chatting with him. And we were really pushing for him to become an elected official in Congress. Well, he did it. And we haven't talked about him because he's kind of fallen off the radar since, you know, I'm not in New York. But he did it. And he flipped a blue seat from the third congressional district from the state of New York to red and we applaud him and congratulate him for that george santos congressman elected george santos from the third congressional district of new york if you go back to the podcast and you can listen to it we've had him on the show many many times and we really enjoyed him well he's in a bit of uh, a bit of the hot seat right now as he has been called out for fabricating and lying on his resume while running for office i know i know so here's the question for you today And I really want you to ponder this because this is a serious one. I'm not taking a stance per se, although I will give you my opinion on this. But I am bringing up the issue more of a philosophical discussion to ponder deep within. George Santos, according to the headlines that we see today, CBS News has the story where the the, uh, calls to are intensifying, quote unquote, according to CBS News, for Congressman elected George Santos to step down and after he admitted to lying on his resume. 
The Republican from Long Island turned the blue district red, and in face of questions about the campaign fraud and deception, the campaign told CBS that he still has every intention of being sworn in next week, where he said he's sorry for embellishing his resume, but believes, believes that he still deserves the uh, to serve the voters of Long Island and Northeast Queens who elected him in the election. Now, this is what he had to say while he was on Fox News. The first really national interview that he did with Tulsi Gabbard, who was filling in for Tucker Carlson just a day or so ago. This is what he had to say here. Of course, it means to, to carry yourself in an honorable way. And I made a mistake. And I think humans are flawed, and we all make mistakes, Tulsi. Um, I think we can all look at ourselves in the mirror and admit that once in our life we made a mistake. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see, and I have the courage to do so because I believe that in order to move past this and move forward and be an effective member of Congress, I have to face my mistakes, and I'm facing them. Um, the reality is, is that I remain committed to doing everything I set forward in my campaign. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a fake. I, I, I didn't materialize from thin air. I worked damn hard to get where I got my entire life. Life wasn't easy. It didn't start off easy. As I've said it many, many times, I come from abject poverty. I made some mistakes and I own up to them. The, and now I want to put this thing past is, me so I can deliver for the American people. All right. That was George Santos on Fox News with Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who was filling in for Tucker Carlson, where he's apologizing for embellishing on his resume, but not fully lying. Now, here's the claims that are up against it, George Santos, saying that, number one, that he had worked for Goldman Sachs and said that he worded it a little bit differently to embellish, but he did not actually ever work for Goldman Sachs. Instead, he co- he worked for a company called Linkbridge, where he had served as vice president that did financial businesses, uh, financial doings with Goldman Sachs, but never actually worked for the company. One of the other allegations includes him saying that he graduated from Baruch University, B-A-R-U-C-H is a Baruch, I believe it's Baruch, Baruch University back in 2010 when he admits now that he actually never graduated from any college or higher education as well. Quote, I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. One of the other uh, accusations includes him saying that he is Jewish when, in fact, he said he's a practicing Catholic, but said that he had Jewish lineage and said that he wasn't Jewish. He was Jew-ish. He's ish. He's half Jewish because his grandmother told him stories about the Jewish family before his grandmother converted to Catholic, uh, the Catholic faith, and he is a practicing Catholic as well. So he's Jew-ish, not Jewish. All the accusations coming out and the embellishments that he had on his resume. Is this something worth him to be stepping down? Now, I would like to remind those on the left side of the aisle who are throwing the mud and saying that he's the worst person on the face of the earth. Number one, he is the first openly gay Republican that ran for office, although they're trying to say that he claimed to be married and claimed to have a girlfriend prior to, which he says, hey, I had a difference in lifestyle and I changed, whatever. Not a big deal. I don't really care either way, but for those on the other side of the aisle that like to play the identity politics, there you go. You have your first gay elected Republican in there that is uh, that was a non-incumbent as he ended up flipping that seat blue or flipping that seat red in the midterm elections of 2022. The other issue is here is that before they begin to throw the mud and start holding themselves to a higher standard, as Democrats like to do, 
like to remind you the amount of insane lies the Biden administration and Democrats have been coming out with for years, including the exact same thing that they're accusing George Santos of, which is uh, Joe Biden saying that he graduated at the top of the class at Syracuse College of Law, when in fact, in what year was this, 19-whatever, uh, 1987, when he graduated 76th out of the class of 85. Let me repeat that. While he claimed that he was at the top of his class and how great of a lawyer that he was graduating from the Syracuse College of Law, that he graduated actually 76th out of a class of 85 in 1987. So the lies are there from both sides. If you want to look for a non-lying politician, you're in the wrong industry, in the wrong universe, and probably the wrong dimension because you're not going to find a politician that doesn't lie or at least embellish dramatically when it comes to their resume or certain bills that they're passing or certain things that they're doing. But if you are looking for integrity as we try to hold ourselves up a little bit higher than the moral standards of the Democrats as Republicans, then how much, how far do you go in berating George Santos, Congressman-elect from the state of New York? Obviously lying and saying he worked for Goldman Sachs. Does that change his qualifications? I don't know. Can he do the job as an elected official? I don't know. When he said that he was Jewish, okay, he's trying to play the identity politics, a large Jewish population in the city of New York. I get it in Queens. Okay, cool. Does that uh, disqualify him from becoming an elected official, or is it just an embellishment on his record? The graduating college, not having a higher education, uh, making himself look a little bit smarter going into the election to make sure that people think that he's qualified for the job. Is it worth it? Or did he blow his integrity to where we can no longer trust him any longer? I'm curious on your thoughts here because, again, while we do hold ourselves to a little bit higher standard, it's a politician. What do you do here? Kind of an interesting conversation. We'll do some more of that when we come back here on The Voice of Reason for a Wednesday. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. I am here to say that we are all about trying to raise the bar on quality, on transparency, on trying to make sure that everybody does what they do or say what they do and do what they say. And they're transparent, that they are accountable, that they do have integrity, because that is one of the biggest problems in this nation, obviously, is the fact that we don't actually abide by it. We don't tell the truth. We embellish a little bit too much to the point of, but again, are we drawing a gray line here between truth and and embellishments, lies, and embellishment. I didn't really lie. I just embellished a little bit, which, I mean, I guess if you have a resume, who didn't do that? Uh, if you work for a company and maybe you're the manager of like three people and you, you have your management duties of this is my management duties and this is all that I perform, I can totally work for a major corporation of managing 100,000 you know, people. You know, how many people have embellished like that? Now, I'm not saying what he did was good in any way, shape, or form. And it's a complete lie about things. I didn't graduate. I actually didn't go to higher education. I don't care that you didn't go to higher education. It makes no difference to me any way, shape, or form. Why would you lie about something like that? The story is uh, great. The story is a courageous, heartwarming success story of coming up from poverty, coming up from nothing, and being a congressman elected now to, with the uh, with the federal government. 
with the United States of, uh, States of America, you are an elected official now representing a large portion of the population, especially in the district there, and doing so as the first openly gay, again, for the identity politics, those on the other side of the aisle, uh, guy representing conservative values, and flipping the district blue to red. That's a great success. That's wonderful. Now, Republicans tried to defend Donald Trump a little bit when he would exaggerate because it's the New York thing to do, right? Well, it's the it's New York. It's what you do. I've never been in New York. I don't have the accent. I'm terribly sorry. I can't do that. <laughs> but Donald uh, Republicans used to defend Donald Trump a lot for uh, well, he you know he's just a storyteller and he's from New York and that's just the way they talk. That's just the way they do things. Is that what he's doing here? is just trying to exaggerate a little bit to hype himself up a bit more because, well, obviously, politics in the state of New York, I'm assuming, are extremely difficult things to uh, to win at. But did he cross the line and just lie a little bit too much? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not not being raised a practicing Jew, I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. So, look, I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. I, I'm going to reassure this once and for all. I'm not a facade. I'm not a persona. I, I have an extensive career that I worked really hard to achieve. And I'm going to deliver from my experience because I remain committed in delivering results for the American people. I campaigned on inflation. I campaigned on crime. I campaigned on education. I campaigned on delivering resolve for the American people. That's what the people of the 3rd Congressional District heard me on and on as I campaigned. Now it's going to be up on, uh, incumbent upon me to deliver on those results. And I look forward to servicing, you're, you're servicing exactly and, right. and serving my, pe- my district. There it is. All right. So, well, did he embellish a little bit? The real big question is, can he perform the duties at hand as the elected official of the 3rd Congressional District for the state of New York? That's the big question. Can he do the job? And how much does the resume actually matter? If the resume does matter, then we need to take a serious look at half of the elected officials in Washington, D.C., including the fearless leader of the U.S. with President Joe Biden, who's lied numerous times about where he came from, about what he's done, about his qualifications, about his graduation, about his experiences, about his family, about his kids. We could go on and on and on about everything that Joe Biden has lied about not belittling what George Santos has done here because what he has done with his quote-unquote embellishments I think is a little far for most people to be like, you know, it was just a misunderstanding. It was just a misrepresentation. Sorry, didn't mean to go that far. It's a little bit beyond that by just openly saying, yes, I'm Jewish. And oh, by the way, yes, uh, sorry, Jew ish <laughs> i guess is how he's trying to put it and oh by the way i didn't actually graduate from any higher education i have no higher education and i worked for a major financial company like goldman sachs i actually didn't i just worked for another company that was working and doing business with goldman sachs so you know by default i kind of worked for them because i worked with them that's a little far at the same time does it matter i don't know my brain's broken a little bit here the voice of reason with andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out today. Can you believe 2022 is just about all wrapped up here? Holy cow. 
As we kind of wrap up the conversation from the first half hour of the show, George Santos, Congressman Elect from the 3rd District of New York. We're going to work on getting him on the show. I have people out as we speak trying to reach out to him and see if we can't get him on here over the next week or so to talk about why he, quote-unquote, embellished, or for those that uh, follow it, flat out maybe lied on his resume, but is it really a deal breaker for him to be a congressman or should he resign because he didn't have any integrity left interesting conversation for sure I, again i'd reiterate that if we're going to come down on him do we need to hold a higher standard we should be holding a high standard for our elected officials because they're the ones electing us at the same time if we do that then the majority of congress will be out of a job because of how bad most of them are we'll get back to that conversation here in just a little bit but let's get into what's trending for the day What's trending today? Really happy to have this guy back on the program. It's been a little bit too long since we've had him on to chat. But as you know, Twitter, the good old tweet, Elon Musk has been releasing a lot of the behind-the-scenes documents regarding the suppression of certain stories on the Tweety, the shadow banning of people that have been trying to share a lot of those stories, election manipulation, and all of it in cahoots with the Democrat Party and with the FBI working to try and keep certain uh, information out of the reach of the general public. Where do we go from here and what the heck happened and how are they even able to do this kind of stuff is what we're going to talk about. Excited to have this guy back on the program. He is uh, an innovative leader for in uh, professional sports security and operations as he's also worked with counterterrorism there. In the New York area, he is uh, one of the authors of the book Over the Wall from the Dangerous Streets of New York City Through the Bursts of Counterterrorism and Beyond. Excited to have back on the program Kevin Hallinan with us here. Kevin, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm good. Thanks for the opportunity to come back. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. I enjoyed our chat the last time. It's a fascinating conversation. And since you've worked in security, you've worked in this industry, uh, you know, to some degree. Uh, this is kind of interesting with all this information being leaked out from Twitter with Elon Musk just not caring, wanting to get everything out to the public for the transparency. Your thoughts on all this? Because there's been, what, 11, 12 different dumps of really interesting information so far. Well, Andy, as uh, you might suspect, being somebody who was in investigations for a lot of years, uh, I, I can't take the initial jump. I like to wait and gather as much information as possible. And if we uh, if we have some wrongdoers, obviously we have to uh, respond. There's, there's no question about that. And uh, I just quite honestly, uh, I'm looking hopefully through this book uh, to try and, uh, and bring some people together, particularly young people, because of the, uh, the issue with uh, recruitment and retention in police work throughout mm. the nation. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this book would give uh, young people, men and women, a picture of, quite honestly, uh, what a rewarding, interesting uh, career law enforcement can be. It's it's really all about service, but I'm hoping there's some young people out there, and I'm sure there is, that, that certainly will qualify. That's a great point. I'm glad you you brought that up. There has been a decline in those that are wanting to enroll and try and jump into law enforcement all over the nation, whether it's the local county, the, the sheriff's department, the uh, just the local police department, or even up into the FBI and those beyond. And I think a lot of it is because of not only do they get the bad rep, quote unquote, on the streets by those that where it's a dangerous job now to be out and about with uniform and go into certain communities, but then also like this issue with the FBI and with the Twitter uh, cases right now, with some of the corruption that's gone on, uh, we need the young blood in there to start cleaning up some of those. And like you said, to really have an awarding, uh, rewarding career and show that they can be part of a community, right? 
Andy, absolutely. And, and certainly New York had its problems, and I, I highlight that in the book with the Knapp Commission, uh, which uh, showed that uh, clearly there were police officers that uh, were breaking the law and had to be dealt with. And uh, quite honestly, it was uh, I looked at it as something that was needed. And if that's the case uh, with these other issues, uh, with federal agencies, uh, so be it. But uh, the thing of it is that uh, young people should not be uh, let the headlines dictate uh, where they should go, how they should spend their lives. They should just take a serious look at it. And uh, it, it's not for everybody, that's for sure. But let me tell you something. There's nothing that's more rewarding as I look back over 25 years. And, of course, in my case, as you mentioned, uh, it, cre- it created a second opportunity with Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, that is a kind of an interesting transition for sure. And for those that may not have heard the last time you came on the program, talk about your career a little bit and where you came from, not only working with law enforcement, but been going into sports security, because that would be a fascinating case all by itself, especially the fact that you were involved around the time of 9-11 as well. Yes, and, and, and Eddie, it really came in handy, the fact that I had spent uh, over five years uh, as the commander of the Joint FBI NYPD Terrorist Task Force. I knew clearly what uh, uh, our adversaries were up to, what their tactics and techniques were. Uh, not that uh, I had all the answers. Clearly, I didn't. But I think I gave uh, Major League Baseball. And, by the way, I didn't do it just with baseball. I brought in the other sports and worked together with them on safety and security uh, for our facilities because it was important uh, to, to the country. And I, I think what really came across was we did not limit ourselves to just, let's say, Yankee Stadium. We had a much bigger circle of what was around the Yankee Stadium and other facilities where there were railroad tracks, chemical factories, etc., that would be attractive targets wow. uh, by terrorists. And uh, again, they, are, they were a very determined bunch and... Uh, Quite honestly, Andy, what I've been looking at the last couple of days is this this uh, power thing you know, where power is getting shut down uh, by, uh, I understand, military rounds were fired into uh, these substations uh, to, to cut off power in, in, uh, in several instances. So I think that's, that's really something. I suspect the Joint Terrorism Task Force is involved in that investigation. Yeah, that is true. Your thoughts as you see some of this going on, not not just with the shooting there at the energy plants in the Carolinas, but then with uh, the other concerns. I mean, Joe Biden's out there talking about, obviously, a little bit uh, more on the exaggerated level, the most radical political organization, domestic terrorism. From your experience and what you've seen and what you're seeing right now, is the biggest threat to the country internally with domestic terrorism or with uh, individuals wanting to cause harm from within, or is it still an external force of terrorism abroad? Well, you know what, uh, Andy, we, we, we really can't pick and choose. Uh, we have to look in, in both areas. Yeah. Uh, we have to be alive to it. There can be no, uh, if you will, uh, laying down and just thinking, you know, we had it, we had it made. In 1985, we had arrested over 100 domestic terrorists, and we had several years there of, of quiet. But, of course, in 1993, the first World Trade Center, so we've got to stay alert across the board. We have to be uh, not reactive, but proactive. 
Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with uh, Kevin Hallinan. Over the Wall is the book. Go and check it out as we talk about uh, security across this nation. Are we? It, how? Talk about the process. I'm curious here of those that are in law enforcement and wanting to move higher up in law enforcement to become part of the FBI or become part of the CIA. What does that entail and how difficult is it? Or is there a percentage or a ratio of how many actually make it up that high? Oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult uh, path, <laughs> no question about it. Uh, in fact, when I uh, was uh, getting ready to retire from NYPD and the task force, they talked to me about becoming the national uh, leader of the Joint Terrorism Task Force throughout the United States because of our success in New York. Uh, a very interesting proposition, but I think at the time, Andy, and still, I guess, I was a big baseball fan, so it, it was a fairly easy decision. But yeah, it, it is difficult uh, to, uh, and uh, they, it, it's pretty grueling. And, and as I said, five years working with the Bureau and working with the Bureau throughout 30 different major league cities uh, after 9-11 because of uh, my uh, experience and the importance of uh, everybody being on the same page as far as uh, uh, the planning uh, that was needed to make sure that we were not going to uh, be victims of, a, of another deadly attack such as such as 9-11. So the FBI people I worked with, uh, Andy, they were of the highest grade, men and women both, that really cared about the country. You know, what I possibly wanted to do but I thought, well, if I was a director, maybe I wouldn't have those guys. But, hey, listen, I said the same thing about NYPD. So I was, uh, uh, you know, a, a tough taskmaster, and uh, uh, some appreciated it and some didn't. No, I can only imagine. I love it. Cracking the whip and making sure the job gets done right. Kevin, we got just about a minute left here as we kind of wrap up and we have our hard break. But uh, the protocols that you put in place during sports security, and I know that you obviously – had a lot to do with the security then. Are they still using the same protocol now? Yes. In fact, Andy, they've even had to take it to another level, as you might suspect, with drones and, and the technology that's out there today. Uh, they've had to, had to take it to a higher level. And uh, I have an inside track, Andy, I'll be honest, though I don't get uh, any top-secret information. Uh, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. My two sons our FBI agents. Wow. I love it. It is over the wall. Go check it out from dangerous streets of New York City through the birth of counterterrorism and beyond. Kevin, it's great to have you back on the program again, my friend. It's a great book. It is great content. And as you said, hopefully it can inspire a young generation wanting to come up and clean up and try and help with law enforcement across this nation. We love it, Kevin. Happy, a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, brother. Let's get you back on the show again soon. Andy, thank you so much. Hey, appreciate that very much. All right, when we come back, we got to take a break here. When we come back around the corner, we'll break some of that conversation down, plus some of the other, you want to talk about law enforcement, some of it that's going on, not just in the U.S., but around the globe as well. The reemergence of COVID-19. Are you prepared for it? <laughs> yeah. We'll get into some of that and more as we wrap up for a midweek celebration. It's the voice of reason. In between the Christmas and New Year's holiday, I know you're glossed over and zoned out, and you're still in your coma from Christmas. We'll ride you through it right here on the show. Stay tuned. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Just a few minutes left here of the show. Goes by way too fast, especially for our first episode back. Good golly, man. We need more time. We need a couple more hours to be able to talk about all this stuff. Thanks again to Kevin Hellenin on the show. We always appreciate him. The author, Over the Wall, From the Dangerous States of New York City Through the Births of Counterterrorism and Beyond. You can find the book on Amazon along with his website as well and the uh, the publisher's company at posthillpress.com. Uh, but you can just find it on Amazon and get it all ordered. We appreciate his time. We'll get him back on the show. Kind of interesting stories. I love hearing about those stories about how we've evolved throughout the years or maybe devolved in some aspects as well. Uh, it is a scary concern that there is such a lack of um, interest in wanting the young generation to try and join law enforcement. At the same time, I understand. I understand the FBI is a prime example of that. And God bless all the FBI uh, workers out there, the FBI agents that are doing their job, that are doing it properly. Uh, It's not the worker bees in most cases where the corruption begins, but it's those at the top that are telling the worker bees what to do. Is it not? That seems to be the case in most uh, cases when it comes to corruption, that the ones that are actually there doing their job, wanting to put food on the table, wanting to do the right thing, they're not the ones to blame because they're just trying to do a job. It's the ones that are telling them and giving them the orders that sometimes uh, get their hairs a little crossed and their wires crossed to tell them on what a priority is and what is the right thing to do versus the non-right thing to do. After the raiding of Mar-a-Lago and uh, Trump's headquarters there, if you remember, there was a lot of call from the Republican side of the aisle to defund the FBI and just dismantle them. Obviously, that's irrational. It's not going to happen. But I understand where they were coming from. At the same time, is it the agent's fault or is it the ones that are leading the organization that need to be cleaned out? The problem is it's like the cartel. Once you remove the head of the snake, then it just reemerges with three new heads because it pops up all over the place. Uh, if you <laughs> remember the drug bust that we see all the time, oh, we busted a major drug dealer in a community. Well, cool. But then guess what? Someone takes their place and it just picks right back up where it started. It's a dirty system and it's the ongoing vicious cycle of the pendulum swinging back and forth over and over and over again is kind of frustrating, but it goes back and ties into what we talked about earlier in the program with George Santos on the the integrity, the integrity on whether someone should be in an elected office or not, because they not only have to act with integrity when they're in office, but it also falls onto who they nominate. It reflects upon who they actually work with, who they put in certain positions. And as we've seen, we've seen some heads of the FBI over the last few administrations that maybe weren't quite up to par where they need to be. Because one of them, a few of them, went on their personal tirades against Donald Trump while Donald Trump was trying to run for office and while he was in office, and they did everything they could to try and demonize him to the nth degree instead of, hey, I have a job to do for the betterment of the nation regardless of whoever's in office. We've had some good CIA agents. We've had some bad CIA directors. One of them, obviously, that was good, at least in my opinion, was uh, Mike Pompeo who was a former congressman right here in the district that I'm at here in the state of Kansas and was the CIA director before becoming the Secretary of State under the Trump administration. And now it seems like tweet tweets behind the scenes is that he may be looking at a run for president here in 2024 as well. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But when it comes to law enforcement, this is where we can change things. Andy, I don't like the CIA. I don't like the FBI. I don't like the militarized law enforcement across the nation. I don't like local sheriff's departments having anti-drug task force that are tanks and SWAT teams and all militarized gear. I don't like that. That's dangerous because we don't want a police state in the nation. Totally get it. Why don't you go in and change things? 
Andy, I don't like the abuse of law enforcement. I don't like them coming into our communities, whatever community that may be, and abusing us or taking advantage of us or doing racist things or whatever. Cool. Go in the system and change it. The system's not going away, which is the realism and the commonsensicalism coming out of this. The only way we're going to change it is to change it ourselves, which means you have to get into the system to change it on your own. It's not going to be dismantled. It's not going to go away. As we've said on this program so many times before, that you will never be able to get rid of a government agency once it's there. And I don't care whether we're talking about the FBI or whether we're talking about Title 42 or whether we're talking about uh, 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 universal basic income. Once they get it, it doesn't go away. Title 42 may actually go away because that one actually goes against the government being able to allow open borders and do what they want to with a political agenda. So that was kind of a bad example, but you get the point. The government doesn't like to lose power, doesn't like to lose authority, and the more power and authority they have, the less that we have, which means we no longer live in a free society. We live in a utopian society, and that's not something that we're going to allow in 2023. Just a taste of what we get to do with our New Year's resolution in 2023. Lots more coming up for that one. Tomorrow, the last episode of 2022, we'll have our predictions of the new year, both society-wise and politically. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.